You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On Rooms. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail. And you can find me at uh, and find uh, not at not of the scribe. So we've got the player capsules coming up this week. This is what we've decided to do now. Next two weeks. Next yep. two weeks. Oh, yeah, we've been uh, we've been putting those off a little bit, just trying to catch up on some other things to recap the season as a whole. But this week and next week, we will be giving you player capsules and the random wheel of names has spoken. It has given us the entire order. Yes, I'm has. sure many of the listeners are going to think it's suspect with the first two names on the list that we're going to be discussing, <laughs> but I sent what I thought was video or not video, but photo photographic proof to nada that it's indeed the names that popped up on the random wheel of names. And so we will be going to Malik Monk to lead us off. But as you yes. know, the drill by this time, we're doing all of the player reviews as we often do in the off season. We'll do this for the next couple of weeks. We'll still give you draft coverage. We'll still talk about the mock draft that we'll be doing every single week for the lockdown podcast network. We'll dive into some of the different prospects that we select. We're going to switch it up. We're in that position at 11 overall to where we can talk about a lot of different prospects. And then in the couple of weeks leading up to the draft, we can focus a little bit more so on just the draft coverage. And then who knows what happens after we actually make that first round selection, second round selection, and the entire draft process is all over and done with. But it's Malik Monk first, Nada. So that's my guy. You know it. Everybody knows how much I've loved Malik ever since he's been here in Charlotte. And it's certainly been an up and down career for him. Let's go to the beginning of this season. Yes. So this is someone that comes in having violated the anti uh, the NBA's anti-drug policy. He had last year ended on a very high note. And as soon as he's in the starting lineup, he gets hit with that suspension that was indefinite and the season ends because of the pandemic. So we never get any closure on what's actually taking place with Malik until the off season starts to roll on. And Mitch Kupchak, I believe, kind of ends it with just some footnote, not necessarily shedding any light on it at all was, oh yeah, Malik's reinstated. He's cool. <laughs> and we just, exactly. we didn't know, you know, we didn't know what to make of it because we had been in the dark because of the pandemic and because the NBA just not giving us any details. Of course, what happens is when the season starts to come back, Malik Monk tests positive for COVID-19. So he is one of the guys that actually contracts the virus at the time, the only Hornet to have contracted the virus, certainly with any kind of training camp and leading up to the season timeline. It holds him back a little. He does play in the preseason limited minutes here and there and does a fine job, small sample size, just getting ready for the season, but does a fine job. Then in the beginning of the regular season, Malik is really nowhere to be found. You're talking about DNP CDs up until Basically, game seven, he sees his first nine minutes of play. 
misses the only field goal that he takes doesn't play at all. Next game that he plays is the 12th game of the season against Dallas. And that's one minute. Then he actually gives you 20 minutes against Toronto goes three of six from the field, more specifically three of five from the three point line and Malik. Okay. That's the first time we've gotten any kind of taste of playing time, real substantial playing time for Malik. And what happens? He only gets three minutes the next game against Toronto. Then he gives you some DNP CDs. Then it's game 18 where Malik starts to play and get substantial minutes and not even as many as I thought he deserved, but it's finally the time that Borrego goes in and he sticks with him. But let's talk about that beginning of the season, Nada, because it took him a while to get going. It did take him a while. And it was always tough to figure out just because we know what James Borrego has done with Malik in last year and even when he was healthy at parts this season that he had somewhat of a short leash, he would bring him to the bench once again after he made a mistake. I thought it was always harder somewhat to to try to evaluate how much of this is James Borrego being pissed at Malik how much is it that COVID is holding him back even admittedly Malik has talked about how much COVID it took a while for him to get over it and that was kind of the old song and dance we were trying to evaluate before he started to get some substantial time like that's the that's honestly this is where I like I I defend I default to defending JB because again dealing with 12 egos on a bas I'm sorry up to 15 egos on a basketball team is very very difficult I lean towards Malik wasn't ready in that first half of, again that first month of the season Walker you noticed me saying yo he looks a step slow he looks this and he looks that and then come to find out he wasn't right physically right for at least till February at least that's what he said like he was not physically back to himself for a month so do I think that Malik possibly deserved a few more minutes and deserved to work his way out? Maybe a little bit, but if he's not going to be his physically best self and he's not going to be the guy that drives the ball to the rim and shoots at a decent clip and is visibly slow, slower than normal, then he's a liability. And what does that do for a guy who's in the middle of a contract year? You're throwing a guy out there in, like before he's ready. So I get it to a certain point. I understand where, why everybody feels like he should have played more. I do kind of understand that. But at the same time, this kid was not ready to well, go yet, full bore. And I understand that part, too. It, it's literally, I ju I'm ju trying to juggle both on this one. Well, and you say, I understand why everybody thought Malik might deserve more minutes. And I would argue, I don't think it was everybody. Look, Malik has been a polarizing player for his entire time here in Charlotte. And I would even more so say maybe not all that much polarizing, more so people leading in the negative when trying to evaluate what Malik actually brings this team, how much people want to bring him back. What do you think the fan perception of Malik Monk is as we sit here recording this podcast? Uh, uh, I don't know. That's a... Why you got to give me such a such an early like a hard question this afternoon, man? It's Monday. Well, afternoon. if you need some time, if you need some time, look, it, it is Monday. We are just starting the week off, and so if you need some time, here's what I'll, I I mean. Look, I already kind of went into it, but I think most people, given the situation we have right now, given what Malik gave us this season, which was a good middle portion, where I, look, and I, I I tell you this, I think a lot of this is on James Borrego not playing him as much and having that shorter leash when I think clearly he should be 
getting more time than the Martin twins. I, I don't know why that was something that Borrego went to. I know he likes Cody Martin's defense, but I mean, honestly, I thought Malik got better this year on ball and even rotationally, you still see some faults with the Martin twins, certainly Caleb and even Cody, where he brings all of the energy. You know, sometimes you don't make the right play just intelligence wise, just IQ basketball wise on the defensive side, but whatever, you know, Malik is somebody that I think most people are fine with moving on from because they view him as this extremely inconsistent basketball player. And while he has had certainly those stretches of inconsistency, I always tried to tell, I always tried to talk about it really at the beginning, right? The last time we had seen Malik play basketball coming into the season was that impressive stretch that he gave us in January. Mm -hmm. You needed more fine. Not a, I think when he got real playing time, he actually gave you some real consistent numbers and we'll get to those in the next segment. But what do you think the fan perception is? If you have some time to think about it on whether they want to move on, just did it not work out? Do you think maybe people think it's just time to move on between both of these parties? What do you think the fan perception is and how that aligns or does not align with your opinion? My I would say the Twitter response is going to be a lot more of they should keep Malik Monk. Wow. I am I would go against that. I, I would also say that the real life like I do I do think there's a, a significant portion that feels like of the fan base that feels like we need to keep this guy. There's also that portion of the fan base that feels like he's had four years and been inconsistent in all four. The thing is, like I can understand everyone that says Clifford never really believed in him. And then the only difference between Clifford and James Borrego is that Borrego probably had a little bit of a mandate to see what they have in him. That's probably the difference. And I, I, I honestly, I lean this way. I get it from both. Like, I hate to be the fence sitter on Malik Monk. I, I seem to be, like, documented as the, fen, the designated Malik Monk fence sitter. But there's a lot of me that feels like I understand both sides. Trust is a humongous thing with coaches. And the minute you break that trust, generally, you're usually done in that town. The fact that he's managed to get himself out of that point to a certain extent to where he's, he's semi-trusted is an impressive thing to him. But at the same time, we can honestly look at that stretch where Malik Monk was playing so well, then had the drug thing, and was never really fully trusted in that organization again. And I can't blame either side. All right. Well, let's talk more about it here. We're going to move on to the next segment. We'll talk a little bit about what we saw from Malik Monk this season, give you some of the numbers that we should talk about, but not before Built Bar, because they've got nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. I'm all ready for the next one, but the staples are just as good. The raspberry, the cherry, the mint brownie, the peanut butter brownie, all covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And they have a lot of grams of protein in them. They're high in fiber, but they're low in calories and low in sugar. So you get the best of both worlds. And best of all, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. Again, that's LOCKED15. And you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. More Malik Monk coming up on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I said, oh, oh, hell yeah. Just giving that confirmation of how awesome this is going to be. You tweeted at me. You're going to be singing the chorus to Billie Jean if you ain't careful. 
<laughs> and again, I point to the lie. Yes, I. You're well. Yeah, you're right. This goes back to our first conversation. There's a yes, lot of babies does. being had exactly. out there. Goodness gracious, <laughs> unexpected exactly. ones. Point ones to that the lie. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Not I mentioned that stretch this season about Malik Monk as we're continuing our player capsule with him on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. So I just went through the beginning portion of the season. Doesn't really play the first 17 games. Only appears in four. Mm -hmm. Only plays more than 10 minutes once in that first game against Toronto. Only plays more than four minutes twice, (laughs) which was Philadelphia in a 17-point loss. They were getting destroyed, and that's why he sees minutes. And the other time he appeared in a game was against Toronto. Toronto the second time that was only 350 and James Brego just not having it anymore but you get to the 18th game of the season and Malik appears in every game with double digit minutes having been recorded up until game 31 so from that stretch from his fifth game that he played Mm -hmm. to the 31st game that he played which was 18th regular season game 44 recorded overall these were his numbers 46.5% from the field on 11 attempts per game. In those 11 attempts per game, he shot 5.7 three-point attempts per game and shot 41.8% beyond the arc. He also got to the foul line more than two times per contest, and he shot 83% from the foul line when he went there. He averaged three rebounds. He averaged two assists. He averaged basically half a steal, and he averaged 14.5 points per game. So again, the key numbers, 14.5 points per game on 46.5% shooting, 41.8% shooting on 5.7 attempts beyond the arc, and 11.2 attempts overall. None of those numbers are just outright good. Yeah, okay? they are. Like, they're, they're, just, they're just outright good numbers for Malik, and I think defensively he gets destroyed way more than he should because people have preconceived nos- notions about his defense coming in. I think they already have their mind up, made up of him being smaller, not having the longest wingspan, and therefore we've already written what his defensive evaluation is, and it will not change. He got better on ball. I think that it was just easily in your face at times when he would make the right read and go for a steal and actually nab some of those passes rotationally. I don't think he's any worse than the other perimeter defenders <laughs> on this Charlotte Hornets team, which maybe speaks to them a little, but also I think speaks to Malik Monk and I, you go to the last 10 games. If you're like, all right, Walker, fine. I get your point with him, the middle stretch that he had, but what about the last little stretch that he had? Yeah, fair enough. That was him coming off of an injury, and we can't give that injury excuse to LaMelo and not give it to Malik. Both of these things have to be true. So Malik playing the last 10 games of the season, coming off of injury, the numbers weren't great efficiency-wise, but he still gave you a 7 of 16 game against Chicago. He gave you a 4 of 8 game directly coming back against Detroit. Look, you know I'm a fan of Malik, and I think the numbers I think when he got substantial playing time and he was healthy, Malik was awesome. And that's a big old sample size to go. No, it's an awesome sample size. And it's a sample size that if you're his agent, that's the one you highlight because he's had now two stretches in a row of this. Now, do I think he gets destroyed too much on defense? Yes and no. I I do think that he I do think that he scored the ball really, really well when he was healthy and he was flowing and he was going. And when the team clearly trusted him. He he won, he made game-winning plays. I cannot deny that. I will not deny that. The Miami game specifically comes to mind where he legitimately won them that game, that first Phoenix game, where if he doesn't show up in that first half, th- that game is a blowout. 
There are games where you can make the case that Malik Monk either heavily contributed or won them that game. And we're not even I haven't even gotten to the Sacramento game where they where he I think he didn't he just come back from that game? Miracle at Midnight Part Two? Like he recently got off the injury list at, on during that game. If I'm, I, it seems to be in this stretch the the game against Sacramento. Um, I think that was solidly right in the okay, middle that of the that. Okay. Yeah. But we're of uh, yeah five to thirty one. But no, it, it, to your point, yes. I mean, look, you you can even go you can even go right. Like you could even carve a piece of the streak of games that he had and go from, you know, including that game. So you can go from February 22nd to March 3rd. You're talking about seven games or so in between there. And he goes for 20 in every single one of them, except for it looks like two and it was 19 and 18 points. I think there was a seven pointer in there as well against Chicago, but I mean, he was averaging more than 20 points per game. Uh, Yeah. Look, this is somebody that came in, a little bit of a microwave off of the bench also can facilitate at a high level. And I'll say this too. I, I, I was looking up some of the other numbers as far as where he was shooting. And last year he was a lot better finisher at the rim. You hope that that can come up. He wasn't bad by any stretch, but he was a lot better last year. That was his coming out party as far as scoring at the rim, having you know talked about building some muscle. I think he said he had like 20 pounds of muscle, which you know I could tell a little. I don't know if that was changed because of COVID or whatever. I'm sure it was. Um, but this year it was fine. Last year he was taking a lot higher percentage. He was taking, I think, something to 29% of his field goal attempts within three feet or less. This year it was about 22. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a decrease in that area. I think also you saw him shoot more and higher percentage from corner three this year compared to last year and LaMelo I think comes in and really helps Malik's game but also I think you just found somewhat of a a better balance one it helps when Malik is shooting uh, well so of course he's going to shoot more three-pointers when he's shooting well that's a good thing but also I think you had somewhat of a nice balance of the percentage like maybe I want to see him take more shots at the rim and drive a little more but overall uh, five three-point attempts per game in the minutes that he was playing and uh, you know the 22% of his field goals kind of coming in closer to the rim. Maybe you want to iron that out a little, but overall I I liked the shots that he was taking. They, it wasn't bad shots that he was taking. They would be under pressure a lot in previous years. And I think he continues to improve in that area as well, as far as the right kind of shots. No, no, he did improve. He like, the thing is he got, he was a smarter basketball player. This was the best version of Malik Monk that we saw even better than the stretch that we saw last year because he was making winning plays the defense, like you brought up earlier, wasn't that bad. He was on rotation. He was allowed, and one thing I want, I would love to know, and it's something I, I really got to go back to the film for, is I wonder if he was allowed to be more of that free safety on defense, especially when they were playing zone. And the thing about, and one last point about your defending your defender point, um, one thing that we have to kind of understand is there weren't really many good on-ball defenders. There weren't even good team defenders on this team this year. There were maybe two or three tops. So if you're going to say Malik Monk isn't necessarily the best defender, and I know I've used that against him, then you'd have to kind of point out who was. And the list is very, 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 very shallow on that. So I'm, like, Walker, if you, again, anyone that's listening to me, y'all know that I'm struggling with this because, again, I want to love Malik Monk. I want him here. So what, what's keeping you from loving him then? Like what, what is it? Is it just, 
I'm with Brago. Yeah. I, I like I don't. But what? What? But why though? Like why don't you trust why him? Why don't I trust him? I think while he did come back, while he did come back from that ankle injury, and he clearly wasn't the same. Like that again. How he finished the season, and granted, Brago didn't help him in in certain circumstances. How he finished the season put a bad taste in my mouth, and. He wasn't man uh, who, but, but man, miles is the only one. And even, I mean, and he even went out with COVID, but who was good at the end of the season, you know, and, and, and Malik and LaMelo had the injury. I look, man, I hear you. Like it wasn't, uh, it was, it was 10 games that he played. Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't a great 10 nope. games. And James Brago went away from him in Orlando. He only played nine minutes. He went away from him in the last game of the season against Washington. Malik only played five. He only played 14 and 15 against the Clippers and the Knicks. That that's, you know, uh, look, man, I get mad. <laughs> like I, I do, know. you know, I, I do. I, I get Borrego's just not playing them. And, and it's, it's been one of my biggest problems with, with the way the Borrego's handled some of the backcourt. Let, let, look, we've got plenty of time. Let's go ahead to the other third segment and then we can kind of finish up our thoughts on Malik, what we think happens with them. We can also kind of get to some playoff coverage as well. But first, let's talk about bet online. The fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action is by going to bet online baseball season. It's in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online, your online sportsbook experts promo code locked on. We've got one more segment to go right here on the lockdown Hornets podcast this is locked on hornets you have gone to that in an after-school special show (laughs) and you've gone to that in a shoe show with david walker the og you have gone back to the clerk's well for so many different references it's quite impressive because here's the thing though clerks clerks one and clerks two tell you everything you need to know about the service industry and for the most part about life it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast So all of this discussion with Malik Monk, we all know about his exit interview. Malik and Cody were the most telling of any exit interview that we had after that loss against the Indiana Pacers because both essentially want to be valued. They both want to be wanted, which is just one of the it's one of the needs that we all have yes, here yes, as exactly. a huge as a society and Malik and Cody among their uh, peers on their basketball team with their coaching staff. It's no different. Uh, you know, look it, it's very easy to see why both of them would be, uh, would want to feel wanted because Cody didn't get as many minutes and Malik didn't either. So, you know, with Malik, it seems like he's gone, right? Like it, it's restricted free agency. The Charlotte Hornets ultimately get to decide how badly they want him. There is some say, I guess, that Malik has um, where he wants to go. You know, if there's an offer sheet given to him by another franchise that he would really like to go play for and he decides to, you know, he decides to go for that and the Hornets don't match, then that's what kind of power he has. But also, you know, the Hornets ultimately can decide if they want to bring him back or not. And it's kind of and it's out of Malik's control. That's why he's a restricted free agent. What are some of the uh, monetary numbers that you have regarding Malik? So it's a seven million one year, seven million dollar qualifying offer. Now, there are probably Hornets fans that are listening to this and saying, "Okay, then why not just extend him the qualifying offer and then let him go seek his own deal? This is why, because as for the cap hold. $16 $16 million of essentially the thir- the 28-29 that we were told by Mitch that they would have around for cap space would be eaten up in that. And that's just one. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're saying extend him the qualifying offer, you're essentially saying at some point, we're going to take ourselves out of the big money free agent market if you qualify him. That is a big question. That is a big thing to do because that means you're putting yourself essentially outside of the probably the Rashawn Holmes and the Jared Allen. So if you're going to qualify, how many of you guys out there that are listening to this right now are saying to yourselves, I'm willing to trade potentially the um, I'm willing to trade potentially having a um, Malik Monk for Jared Allen or a Rashawn Holmes? Because that's essentially what you would be doing. I'm not sure I would do it, but I would understand the thinking behind it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Hornets, by any means, are going to renounce that cap hold for Malik Monk. You know, I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, I, I don't think they will. But I, I also could see the other side of that. I'll fence it here a little bit too. If you want a definitive answer on what I think the Hornets will do, I still think they'll probably they'll still make that qualifying offer and not renounce the cap hold. But I, I could see the other side of it. Now, what that means is, okay, let, let's say that let's say that James Borrego, Mitch Kupchak, they have an epiphany. Oh my goodness. The way we've handled Malik Monk has been wrong. We should be playing him. We shouldn't be taking him off of the court for what we feel are just drastic mistakes that aren't going to happen with the other guys that we choose to play ahead of him. Let's just say that they have that epiphany. How does he fit with the Hornets? And what does that mean for other players on the roster like a Devante, like a Terry Rozier? And of course, they're going to keep LaMelo ball. But what does it mean for LaMelo and his uh, on-court ability to play with one? Honestly, if they keep if they qualify and keep Malik Monk, the first guy I'm looking at is Terry Rozier. Like we know he's gone. It's just a matter of do they find him a home? Because I do not believe you can come back and unless Malik, the only thing that's the only thing that bothers me is Malik goes, shops an offer, can't get higher than one year, seven million dollars, and comes back on a prove it deal. That makes sense only so far because there's not that much cap space. I have a hard time thinking that one like I don't think you can bring everybody back. I really don't. We've talked about this multiple times, multiple ways. But the first two guys I think of, if Malik Monk is brought back in any long-term deal, is either Devontae's not back or Terry's not back. One of the two aren't back. And then on top of that, you still have the draft pick that you still have to negotiate with. So who may or may not be a two-guard. That's a lot of juggling to do for a lot of minutes. And I'm not so necessarily sure that this team has enough minutes to go around if all are healthy and guys take steps forward. So if that's the case, uh, like the first two guys you look at is Devontae and Terry. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I think with Terry Rozier having been, he's in his last year of his contract. The idea is, do you want to trade him before the deadline? Does somebody find him valuable as well as that expiring contract? Or do they want to have something longer where Terry Rozier, they would want to try to lock up even further. Maybe that other team does view him that valuable. Maybe I, I don't know what would happen, but that would be the question with Terry as well as Devante. I would think if they're bringing back Malik, I think that probably means that they're moving on from a Devante Graham. I don't think they're bringing him back. And I think that happens. 
I, I think that happens as soon as one is made, the other is made, right? Like where Terry, you have some time, you can try to figure out what you want to do with Terry. If you want to decide to keep Malik Monk, that means that to me, pretty clearly they're going to move on from Devonte. Pretty clearly. Can, can we put a asterisk on this conversation? If Malik returns for the qualifying, all bets are off. Yeah. You know, that, that would, right. Like that would make some sense. I think if we're going to have this conversation about him coming back, if Malik comes back for one year, $7 million. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't want to make any long, I don't want to make any long-term feelings about anything on the roster. All they've done is kick this down the can. So like I, I can see a scenario where they're like, Oh, Malik comes back. Cool. We just wait on the big men. Tice isn't going to go anywhere and you can still sign him. Devante, even if they, when they do qualify him, yeah, that makes sense too. Like, there's a lot of this, like, if guys come back on the qualifying offer, and that's still a possibility because, as we've talked about, there are only five teams with real cap space in this year, like, this year. So I can see a scenario where guys come back for the prove-it deal and then wait till next year. So I want to – again, yeah. I don't want to put this out there like, oh, I, this is something I know or I'm hearing, but I'm saying looking at the landscape – there's a really, 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 really good chance guys take their qualifying offers and then take another swing at free agency next year when a lot more teams have more yeah, money. Yeah, good point. All right, that'll do it for the evaluation of Malik. And, of course, the random wheel of names has given us P.J. Washington to talk about tomorrow, which, look, man, yes. hey, I host on this podcast. Not a you do, too. You would think Walker probably just decided to go with Malik and PJ to lead us right out of the gate. You know what? I wouldn't fault you for believing that, but this is just the way that the random wheel of names has spoken. So what we've done is we put really the top seven names in a generator so we could get the main seven out of the way. Then we go to the next tier, and then I even put the second rounders and Brad Wanamaker at the very uh, end, right? So like that... That's a one second episode, <laughs> yeah. by the way. So yeah, I, I sent the I sent the order to Nada, and Nada was like, "Man, that second half is rough." But we do it for the people because we want to get the first seven names out first because it makes more sense to go what is more important here, and then we'll move on. Um, let's talk about the playoffs just real quickly today on the road to the finals or NBA playoffs or finals coverage coming up close. It's brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. We saw the Atlanta Hawks just implode offensively in the fourth quarter. Trey Young was out for a while. He tries to come back after rolling his ankle just nothing doing for the Hawks at the end and Milwaukee continues to score Chris Middleton was awesome he goes for 38 points dude was clutch hit a three-pointer to separate him by three when it was tied at 98 and then he hit another deep jumper to separate it at seven and that was essentially the game uh, do you think that the Milwaukee Bucks are starting to click enough now to where you fully believe that they are the favorite to win the whole damn thing let me see the, the where, where we are with Trey Young's ankle let me see where we are with that. Once I figure that out, once I hear about how that works and how that's going to be, if he's going to be just fine, cool. But the ankle I saw yesterday with him tripping over a referee, mm -hmm. like, I don't see, like, if that's going to be the Trey Young that we get for the rest of the series, I don't see, they, I don't see how this doesn't end in five. I, there's no way. Because, unfortunately, you need DeAndre Hunter. You need a lot more of the guys. But at the same time, this is one of those situations where Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks are playing with house money. They're not supposed to be here. They took a massive leap forward. 
And the funny part is most of their really good young talent isn't playing in this series. Imagine what happens when they do. So, like, I want to get, like, I want to applaud Milwaukee. I really do because they've played awesome. Uh, Giannis is dominating, averaging almost 30 for the playoffs, and which is funny for a guy that no one said, everyone says has no bag. But um, <laughs> for everything that he's doing, like, honestly, for everything that he's doing, he's been really, really awesome. And I really do want to, like, like again, this has been great. We're headed towards Bucks Suns. The only thing that's stopping it is Trey Young's ankle. That's yeah, and I guess some kind of miracle from Paul George and the Clippers. But it does seem like it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns, which is very weird to say in 2021 that those would be the teams that will reach the NBA Finals, and really a lot more, incredibly so, on Phoenix's side. You know, having gone after Chris Paul with that young team that they all improved so much in the bubble and just one year's worth of time to get all the way to the NBA Finals the way that they have, it's remarkable. But it's going to be. I'm excited for that one you know yeah it's not the Lakers it's not the Celtics not Golden State it's not LeBron I don't care it's going to be awesome to see both of those teams go at it and it would be Giannis and Chris Paul you know Chris Paul having played a lot longer than Giannis but Giannis getting just as much criticism for not having gone this deep into the playoffs both are going to have their chance to get an NBA championship again the coverage brought to you by Michelob Ultra all right Thanks for listening. That'll do it for the first player capsule. Malik Monk, one episode done in the roster breakdown. We'll continue to move on. It's PJ Washington tomorrow. Thanks again for supporting the show. Thanks to Spotify Green Room for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA Hollinger and Duncan. And make sure you keep an eye out for some of the Locked On mock draft videos that we're releasing. I should be releasing one on Zaire Williams, our last selection here pretty soon. That should be circulating on Twitter um, with in the coming week, I should say. So uh, we'll have some more prospects. We'll continue to bring you the draft coverage as well. Don't worry, we have not forgotten about that. Have a good show. Uh, have a good week of shows coming up for you. Hopefully, you continue to tune in here to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.